This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Hello and welcome to Gardener's Favourites, a new podcast series featuring Alan Titchmarsh, Kate Bradbury and the team here at Gardener's World magazine. In this special winter series, we'll share with you some of our winter highlights, guaranteed to beat the winter gloom, with options to get you outside enjoying your garden and recommendations for days when you want to curl up indoors. So sit back and enjoy as we share our favourites. Hi, I'm Adam, commissioning editor at Gardener's World magazine. There's no denying that when winter comes, with it comes a sort of slowing down of activity in the garden. There's a quiet stillness that settles over all of our outdoor spaces. And for those of us who love to grow outdoors, it often feels there's little left to do, especially if, like me, you've only got a really small garden and you've probably gotten on top of all the pruning, tidying, the bulb planting, whatever else it is you set out to do. And of course, with winter comes cold too. It feels like it comes later every year as our climate changes, but it's inevitable all the same. And with the cold comes a sort of turning inwards as indoor pursuits take over from the outdoor activities. For the gardener, this can feel a little frustrating. There's only so many plans you can make and seed packets you can order before your green fingers start to feel like itchy green fingers. But for those of us who grow houseplants, there's still a world of indoor gardening that exists. And yes, I know indoor plants do know that it's wintertime and most will be slowing down now and hibernating, but they still need your love and attention. And if they're well cared for, some may well reward you in the shape of colourful flowers. 
something that feels extra special when all outside seems grey and brown. At this time of year, there is colour and inspiration to be found indoors. You just need to know where to look. One of the first flowering houseplants I ever bought was the lipstick plant, Escenanthus radicans. At first, I didn't have much luck in getting it to flower, but then I did a bit of research and I discovered that it's an epiphyte, so in its native Brazil, it grows from craggy rocks and tree branches. So what I did is I just, I watered it less and I moved it somewhere brighter, it boosted the humidity, and I was soon rewarded with really beautiful tubular red flowers. It's clear to see where the name comes from, and they come out of these deep burgundy buds. And I've enjoyed those flowers every year since. It's true that the flowers are certainly at their best in spring and summertime, but my plant has actually, sporadically I'd say, produced blooms right up until Christmas. And even if the flowers stop, the glossy dark green leaves are still a real pleasure to look at. Another flowering houseplant I first started growing some time ago is the African violet, Streptocarpus, or you might know it by its former name, St. Paulia. I think I was given one as a gift, and since then I've bought a few more, I've propagated some. It's actually quite easy to get these plants to flower indoors. You just pop them in a bright spot, like an east or a north or west-facing window, or at this time of year in winter, a south-facing window is probably even better. Just water them when the top five centimetres of compost starts to feel dry, and avoid getting the leaves wet as they can actually rot. And then in summertime, give them a feed every six weeks. A well-cared-for African violet will reward you with colourful little blooms in pink and blue and purple shades, and you can see them almost all year round, even now in the depths of winter. There are other houseplants that you can coax into flowering this time of year too. The flamingo flower and the peace lily both spring to mind. And cyclamens are often treated as houseplants at this time of year too. Then of course there are flowering bulbs, which obviously aren't really houseplants in the traditional sense anyway. But I think we can talk about them here all the same. Planted at the right time, forced bulbs, like daffodils, hyacinths and of course amaryllis, will all give really spectacular and often really fragrant displays in wintertime. It's well worth planning ahead and planting your bulbs in time for successional winter displays, I find anyway. Try playing around with when you start them off. I often forget to do it and end up buying them in the end, but if you do remember, they can bring a brilliant splash of colour and that lovely scent into your house. It will be short-lived, but if you saw the bulbs carefully, you can just do it all again next year. But of course, we can't talk about flowering houseplants in wintertime and not mention two real classics, poinsettias and orchids. Of course, around Christmas and New Year's, these flowering houseplants in particular are often given as gifts. They're definitely a lot more sustainable than a bunch of flowers, I'd say. When you're given a bunch of flowers, it's probably being grown halfway around the world and then wrapped up in plastic. But to be honest, they're only really better for the environment if you actually keep them going longer than a bunch of flowers which I have to admit probably makes me a bit of a hypocrite because although I really love having orchids in particular and I want to grow as many as possible, I have failed time and time again to keep them alive. I just keep missing all the telltale signs that they're suffering. I know I'm not the only one, which does make me feel slightly better about my crimes, but my New Year's resolution is definitely to do a bit better by my orchids. But if you're a more attentive person than me and you're happily growing an enviable collection of them, I wonder if you've ever managed to keep your poinsettia going from one year to the next. If not, I'm here to tell you that you can, and I know you can, because even I've managed to do it. After the flowering bracts have wilted, 
you just prune the stems back, just leave a few leaves on each and then leave it alone. You should start seeing signs of new growth in spring, at which point you can start to water them a bit more and feed them every few weeks. About May or June, you can repot the plants and then when high summer comes, just pop, start growing them outside. They'll do best in semi-shade and then bring them back in again around September in preparation for another round of those lovely blooms at Christmas. Now, this is when it gets interesting or maybe tedious, depending on your perspective, because you've got to now give them 14 hours of complete darkness every night, somewhere warm, like a cupboard, and then during the day you bring them back out um, and put them somewhere bright, make sure there's no drafts. Then by mid-November, you'll be rewarded with some colourful Braxons again. I know it sounds like a faff, but I did say it was possible, not easy. But just think of the sense of achievement you'll feel. I hope you treat yourself to a flowering houseplant or two this winter, and I hope you take as so much pleasure in nurturing them and waiting patiently for them to bloom, as I have learned to do. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app.